the way I structure my calls to action are, I kind of keep them fun and light. So at the beginning, I always say like who I am and what I do and also how people can get connected to me right at the beginning because I want any new listeners coming in to know who I am and like what I'm all about. And then at the end, if I have a guest on, of course, they give a call to action. But at the end, I will say like, if you liked this and you want to, for example, I'm doing one on how to structure a CEO day for yourself. So I'm saying like, if you want a strategy session with me that will give you action steps for your CEO day, you can go to my website and book it here. Welcome to another episode of Listeners to Lead, where I'm helping podcasters launch and maintain a lead generating show. I'm your host, Alicia Galati, the CEO and head podcast strategist behind Galati Media, a full service podcast management company. On this show, you'll hear my guests and I discuss everything it takes to launch a successful podcast and keep it running. If you're ready to get leads, land speaking gigs, and create deeper connections with your audience through your podcast, then this is the show for you. Today on the podcast, we have Emily Aborn, a guest that we have had before. And last time we talked about podcasting lessons learned that Emily has gotten after a hundred episodes of her podcast and what that journey looked like, what it was when she started versus how it is now. This time we're going deeper. We're talking about her content, how she plans it, how she's able to be strategic with her content to ensure that it is turning her listeners into leads for her business. We also talk about content and monetizing a podcast and what is actually working for her and what her thought process was as she decided to get away from sponsors and sponsor her own show. Last, we talk about the systems in place that are helpful in ensuring that as an interviewer, you have everything you need when your guest comes on, they feel prepared, you feel prepared, and it leads to a better conversation for your audience in giving them all the value that they need and deserve. All right, help me in welcoming Emily Aborn back to the show. Emily, I'm so excited to have you back on the show. I don't have a lot of people back. So you're special. <laughs> wow. Well, I feel so honored and I'm so excited to be back. I, I had a blast with you, both conversations we've had now, the one on my show and yours. Yes. So if you could just tell everyone if they are listening to this one and didn't meet you in the last episode, who you are, what you do and what your podcast is and is about. Sure. My name is Emily Aborn, and I'm the owner and founder of She Built This, which is a community for women entrepreneurs. That's also the name of my podcast. And of course, because everybody needs more than one business, I'm also a freelance content writer. So I write anything from like website copy to blogs to social media posts. Awesome. I love it. And yes, I, you know, fellow multi-passionate, I just was able to kind of get everything into podcasting. So that's how I was able to kind of keep my multi-passionateness. But I'm been there I, with the I, whole like multiple things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I give my umbrella like women entrepreneurs is my umbrella. So I love that. I'm yes. Kind of niching. <laughs> <laughs> Takes time, right? Figuring out what works best. All right. So today I want to talk to you about content systems and processes and kind of what it is that you 
do and utilize to become a better podcaster. So by the time this comes out, 150 podcast episodes under your belt, which is like, what? Incredible. And I think it's so important for people, especially who are just starting out, to get the hot takes from people who have been in it for a while. So if you could tell me a little bit about how you prepare for your interviews and kind of get that content in just right. Yeah. And I and I want to encourage anybody that is kind of like thinking, oh my gosh, when am I going to get to 150 episodes? Like you just stay consistent and it happens. Like I never even, I, I never knew how long this was going to go. You know what I mean? I just was like, I just show up and do it every week. And this is what <laughs> happened. So I just want to encourage you that like the way to get to milestones is just to take steps. As far as preparing, so I think the first thing, and I I recently listened to your episode about the intake form from your mm. guests. It is so important for you as a podcast host to gather that information because then you're not like going 80 million places to track it down. Also, it helps you to do your research on the person before. So like many times in that form, they're going to give you the topics that they want to talk about or you know the direction that they want to go. That's usually when I go either to their website. A lot of people, I read their books. Like I like to really know what they're going to talk about in depth and their framework. So I will get their book. And as I'm reading, I will jot down questions. But it could be as simple as going to their website, reading their blog, you know, like finding out some of those core pieces of their message. And it helps you to create like these questions that they're like, wait, how did you know to ask me that question? (laughs) You know, I think it just brings in questions that they don't get asked in every single interview. I also like to, for certain guests, I'll go onto like a podcast app, look up their name, see what other episodes they've been on and listen to their guests that way. I had Patrick McGinnis of the founder of FOMO. And I was kind of nervous. So I wanted to make sure that I had like really listened to like what his style is and like, okay, what does he have to say about FOMO and things like that. So I listened to a couple of his episodes. So it sort of depends on, you know, where they put their content out. But I like to do my research on the content that they put out so that I can come to the conversation informed. Yeah, I think that's so important. And this is where planning comes in really heavily, I think. And you can't just wing it, right? Like we're in some, I think we're in some similar Facebook groups where it's like, find a guest, be a guest. And you see some posts sometimes in there where they're like, hey, someone backed out and I need an episode for next week. Is anybody available today? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it stresses me out because I'm like, you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants at that point. You don't really know the person. You haven't really built any rapport with them. You haven't cyber stalked them, like nothing. <laughs> you are literally just kind of going in blind. And that does your audience such a disservice. And I don't think that's talked about enough. Plus, I mean, it's like if you have a content plan, you know, which I know you and I both do, but if you have a content plan, like if that happened to me, which it wouldn't because I have six episodes in the kitty right now, but (laughs) I would just be like, oh, I'm going to use this opportunity to do a solo cast and talk about something in that content plan that I've been dying to share, you know? So yeah, I think that's the other piece of it. It's like when you have a plan, those chances, it doesn't happen like that. You're not flying by the seat of your pants and worrying who your next guest is going to be. Yeah. And that way you're able, like you said, to get their information, to kind of look at them, see what they're about. 
I actually recently had someone pitch me to be on their show and I was looking at her on LinkedIn and I was like, I feel like I've seen her somewhere. Where did I see her from? Saw where she lived, realized that a client of mine had connected me with her and connected her to my podcast. And I was like, okay, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Let's have a conversation. And then looking at what she wanted to talk about, I was like, ooh, I love that approach. Also, she like works at Yale, which I think is really cool too. And I'm just like, we have so much we can talk about. Yes, let's do it. But I think having that intake form, it allows people like a very no pressure approach to you as a podcaster, like you don't have to feel obligated Mm -hmm. to say yes to everyone who slides in your DMs. Because I know as a people pleaser, that can be a little intimidating. And usually on my form, I'll just say, we review these quarterly, we review these regularly, and we'll get back to you if you are a good fit. And that way, there's no pressure on me to be like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And then we get on and I'm like, oh, this is not a good conversation. (laughs) Like, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste their time. And I've totally been there so many times where I said yes to somebody. And then it turns out that, you know, they have no interest in sharing the episode or they just come and they give nothing. And it's like, yeah, I had to stop that. I actually recently, I wanted to share this with you because I I think this is a good lesson for both of us and for your listeners. I had an episode recently with a woman who I, the framework was good, but she was all over the place. And it like, it didn't give my listeners any value at the end of the day. When I, when I re-listened, I'm like, this isn't quite going to do it for me. Usually I would just scrap that interview. I would be like, all right, I'm not airing that. But this person mattered to me. So I reached back out to her and I was like, would you be okay with re-recording? And like, it even was to the point where she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like maybe it was the mic I used. And I'm like, no, it wasn't the mic you used. (laughs) I just said, it just, the conversation didn't work how I had expected it to. So we re-recorded and it came out amazing. Like I've already gotten so much feedback on the episode. It just aired this morning. And I was like, I am so happy that I stood up for myself and had those boundaries because I knew it wasn't good the first time. I love that so much. And most of the time people will be accommodating, especially if they are looking to be on more podcasts or they want to have more visibility. I mean, that's usually the reason why people pitch to be on podcasts anyway. And so if they're looking for that visibility, they're going to want it to sound good. And I think that it also shows that you have a level of expectation for your guests as well, where it's like, this is what we tolerate. This is what we don't. And I'd really like to be able to show how awesome you are because I know you're awesome, but it didn't come across that way. So let's go ahead and re-record. I love that so much. It taught me a valuable lesson in preparing too. So I realized that most people, you might as well just apply it to all people. You kind of need to lead them through the conversation with the questions you ask them. So like Mm -hmm. there are people that are very structured in the way that they share the information, but not everyone. So you might as well just apply this to everyone. The questions, how you formulate them, it can basically be a narrative, right? Like it can Mm -hmm. walk them through the steps how you want them to from beginning to end. So I would encourage you to think about that big picture of the episode when you're laying out your questions and ordering them, because I think that was a huge piece of it too. I just kind of was like, here, you do you, you know? And, And when we redid it, I really guided her through, all right, this is the question we're asking now and now and now and now. And then it had this beautiful like beginning to end. So Oh, that's so good. 
I think there's also a balance that comes with that because like we have a client where we're kind of coaching her through her content and she's leading almost too much mm. and like this happened and did was this how you felt right like you know like kind of trying to like pull things out of her guest it can come across as like okay I'm I'm trying to get this out of you and like let's get this conversation so I think it's a fine line that takes practice it is not something that you're just going to gonna click and then all of a sudden it's great like you have 150 episodes under your belt this is taking time right totally totally and I do listen you know I used to be really bad where I would like literally like I had to read every single question verbatim and I would like awkwardly robotically ask the next question (laughs) and listening back to them I'm like oh my god like go with the flow girlfriend you know you don't have to like sit there and, and go through your list yes oh man yeah I I don't listen to my episodes. I can't. I don't like the sound of my own voice. So <laughs> we just nope, we don't. We're good. <laughs> well, we love the sound of your voice. So but Thank I understand. <laughs> I know that there's some people that don't. I yeah. do listen to mine because I have a tendency to say things like that I didn't mean to say. And so ah. I need to, I tend to go back and like apologize. Like I didn't know that that phrase meant that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I was unaware before. I'm sorry. (laughs) Awesome. You also joined a speech club. What is that? What did that look like? How did that help you in becoming a better interviewer? So I joined a club called Speaker Sisterhood, which for any women listeners, I would highly recommend. And really, it helped me. Honestly, it helped me to speak more off the cuff because that's Mm. my weak. That's my weak spot is speaking off the cuff. Like I'm very good when I can plan something out. So it helped me more with that and just realizing like people actually just want that human to human connection, Emily. They don't want you to show up and be a robot. (laughs) It also helped me realize some of the places I say words extraneously like um and like and so and starting sentences with and, you know, what I have also learned because you had to record yourself giving the speech, which is like, oh dear. (laughs) I make a tisking sound a lot like and so people pointed that out to me too and one woman was even like you do it in your podcast as well and I was like oh no (laughs) so now it just gives me things like those are little tiny things that you know when you do clean it up a little bit in your speech it is it ends up coming across more eloquently so but really I would say for me the speech club really helped with my confidence and Mm. also being able to speak off the cuff And also like weirdly listening, like I don't know how to explain that, but I think listening to other people's speeches helped me to be a better listener. As a interviewer, I think it's one of the most important things to be able to do, especially to not come across as like, here's my list of questions and we're going to follow these, is to be a good listener, which is why Britt thankfully takes these out. Thank you, Britt. She's incredible. (laughs) But usually I'm like, all right, uh, let me give, just give me a second. Let me think. And she takes all that stuff out because I need a second to think as I'm, you know, processing what we've just discussed. And then before we kind of transition and what that transition needs to look like in the podcast. So it really helps to be able to listen and not be worried about what that next question is while I'm trying to listen. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think one other way, like, you know, if you're not going to join a speech club or something like that, another way to get better at that is to actually just listen to other podcasts because you can't open your mouth and respond. So I think as you listen to other podcasts and you're kind of like reacting in your mind as you would if you were the host, but you can't actually open your mouth and speak, it's it's to me very, very helpful in the, the learning process. Mm, I like that in being intentional about that instead of just listening to listen uh, to absorb the content, but listening to it for the sake of like training yourself, I think is really interesting approach. I might have to do that. I need to find a podcast that I want to listen to though first. (laughs) (laughs) My poor diva ears tend to be a little, I guess divas is the best word for that. They just literally cannot listen to podcasts because I'm editing them in my head. (laughs) Okay. So you might like Kate Hanley's How to Be a Better Person. They're super short. She is a top, I mean, the sound quality is great. So I don't think you're going to be able to nitpick it too much. Okay. And her content plan is really solid. So that might be a good place for you to start. They're so short and you can, it's like having a conversation with her, but you don't get to talk back. (laughs) Okay, nice. I'll have to check them out. Thank you. (laughs) Next, I'd love to talk more about kind of the content within the episodes. So if we could talk call to actions and sponsors. Now, I know we talked call to actions in the last time we talked of like making sure that you're actually talking about your stuff and selling your stuff. What did that kind of look like for you as you started opening up to being able to talk about your stuff? I know all of us are like, I don't want to come across as salesy and I'm here for just giving you content and that's awesome. But like, also, it's important that you're utilizing this content for a purpose, right? That you have goals and that you aren't just wasting your time unless it's a hobby, then kudos to that. You know, Lisa Zerotny and I just had this conversation on Instagram about having no calls to action and like what that actually translates to. And Mm. again, kudos to you if this is just a hobby, but if it's not, actually that's a question your audience is asking like their minds are asking, how does this person make money? How, like, how can I work with this person? So giving them that answer is actually doing them. It's, it's doing a service to your audience in addition to helping them find your products and services. But you're basically saying like, Hey, if you like this and you like me, here's another way to, to work with me. Here's, here's actually what I do. Here's how you can help me because that's part of this too. Like they are your community. You know, you are forming a community. It was super uncomfortable to start adding calls to action or even just talking about myself. But Mm. you know what I would hear time and time again is like, so what do you do? And I'm like, how do you not know? But (laughs) they don't know because I never said it in my episode. People used to think that my podcast was my business. And I was like, no, it's literally just a piece of my business, you know? So I have started putting in uh, the way I structure my calls to action are I kind of keep them fun and light. So at the beginning, I always say like who I am and what I do and also how people can get connected to me right at the beginning because I want any new listeners coming in to know who I am and like what I'm all about. And then at the end, if I have a guest on, of course, they give a call to action. But at the end, I will say like, if you liked this and you want to, for example, I'm doing one on how to structure a CEO day for yourself. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So I'm saying like, if you want a strategy session with me that will give you action steps for your CEO day, you can go to my website and book it here. And it's become way more comfortable. I think the first couple of times are going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> but also think of it from your audience's perspective. Like you don't want them sitting on the other side being like, who is this person? What exactly are they selling? You know, like you have to give mm-hmm. or like, not even what are they selling, but like, how do they make their money? You know, like that's a question you can easily answer for them and then not leave them hanging. Yes. I love this so much. And I think it's important, especially like for podcasts like mine, where we talk a lot of step-by-step stuff. And since I am an Enneagram one, there's checklists for everything. And so I'm like, oh yeah, go here, download the free checklist. And that's a quick and easy call to action where people can learn more about me, get on my email list. They don't have to book a call with me. I don't care. Like, here's a free checklist, have fun. And then after that, they get that kind of flow of, all right, learn more about Alicia. And then if they want to work with me, then they have that ability to do so. But most of the time, I want them to see that checklist. I want them to kind of feel a little bit overwhelmed in a sense of like, oh, wait, I can't do this. I need some help, (laughs) right? And that's where I think that it's so important to give some type of call to action. And if you're struggling with, okay, but it's too salesy, or I don't know what to say, then send people to your DMs. Say, hey, if you're taking action on this, I want to cheer you on. Send me a DM and let me know so I can share it or whatever. And I think that in and of itself, because we all love to brag about ourselves, right? (laughs) Like, Give them that opportunity to brag about how they're using what you created to improve their lives. Yeah, I love that. I want to say to your point, make the call to action feel natural and comfortable for you because yeah. otherwise people are going to be able to tell that you're you're trying to do something that is not authentic to you. So I agree with you. Make it feel like it matches your personality. Yes, 100%. So calls to action, monetizing a podcast, using your podcast to generate leads. We're going somewhere with this, guys. Sponsors. Let's talk sponsors. So recently, I have so many feelings about sponsors. So many feelings. Buzzsprout recently came out with their own version of mid-roll podcast ads promoting other podcasts within your podcast that is all on their platform. Buzzsprout is a podcast host. It is the one we like and we always talk about. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you'll hear me talk about Buzzsprout. I was checking it out because I'm always like, ooh, new feature. What is it? What is like, is it going to work for our clients? Does it make sense for us? The payout is pretty low and the shows that are available at the moment, it's in beta. So it is like really, really new. The shows that are available aren't niched down enough to make sense. Mm -hmm. So for my podcast, it would make sense to have Buzzsprout's podcast, Buzzcast, to be an affiliate or a sponsor within my show because it just aligns. But the ones that they're showing, because they only ask questions about the general age of your audience, their other demographics and things like that, it doesn't really get down to the industry or like on a deeper level. And I think that is where a lot of people try to use sponsors because they don't consider 
that they have to get really deep on who their sponsor is. They just think, oh, I have a true crime podcast. Casper Mattress makes sense. But does it really? Like, really does it? Like, really does it? I don't think so. I think that something like 23andMe, I think Mm -hmm. is the, like, something where, like, a lot of true crime fans are like, yes, take my DNA, find out if my third cousin once removed murdered somebody. Like, that is, like, a very true crime person type of, like, mindset. So that would make sense as an affiliate or a sponsor. So what has been your experience in having sponsors and then shifting away from them? I love your thought on having it be more like niche to your market. And I think that's what is the difference between a person who's listening, fast forwarding through the sponsor and Mm -hmm. actually saying like, "Hmm, I'm going to take a second, listen to it. I've had a couple, I've had actually, I think five sponsors where basically I'm writing the copy for them in my voice and language, but it's promoting their business. I moved away from it because I prefer to be sponsoring my own products and services. Like I want to guide people to hanging out with me, you know? And so that's why I moved away from it. There's, there's truly nothing wrong either way. And the people that I chose were aligned for my audience. They were either fellow entrepreneurs or services that like women entrepreneurs would utilize. But for me, I had started a paid group, like a membership, and I had group programs I wanted to run. And like, I wanted one-to-one clients. And I was like, it makes a lot more sense for me to be talking about me and what I'm doing over here than promoting somebody else's business. So that's how I changed that for myself. And again, I think it has to be right for you. Like whatever you decide about sponsors versus not, it has to work for you. People join my group because of my podcast. People work with me one-on-one because of my podcast. So for me, that sponsorship plan works. Yes. Uh, I love that so much. And if you want to turn your listeners into leads, which is obviously what this podcast is all about, then I don't think it's worth distracting your audience with something else when you want them to take action in a certain direction. And I think that having sponsors tends to distract from that or at least take away some of the thunder, right? Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. I will say there's one lady who's paid me for some marketing help and she is actually selling her business. And I said, you know what? I will give you like a podcast mention at the beginning of X episode. And I felt really good about that because I'm gonna Mm. do it in a way that's authentic to me And I'm also going to use it as an opportunity to share about what I do for helping someone like this. So yeah, I think it's just not worth distracting your audience. I think you're 100% right. That was a perfect way to say it. Yeah. I love that you added in that you are doing it like one time thing in a way that works best for you. Especially in the online space, it's so easy to get distracted by what everyone else is doing, what everybody else's strategies are, and trying to match their business model with our own or their podcast model with our own. And it doesn't work. You end up pushing yourself so much instead of being in flow. And then that's why people pod fade. That's why people, like most people, don't make it past a year in business, is because. They're trying to replicate something that somebody else who has a completely different life and lifestyle 
has already created and trying to replicate that for themselves when it just doesn't match them, whether it's their values don't match or the business model just doesn't work for their personality or their current lifestyle. Like it just, it's frustrating to see. Yeah, I think it comes, I mean, I'm sure we've all heard this many, many times, but I think it really comes down to our values, like looking Mm -hmm. at what is really true to your values. So when you get that shiny object syndrome, which Lord knows it happens to me all the time. (laughs) Just, Just the other day, I heard this lady using her podcast to talk about a book full of 480 ideas. And I was like, I should write a book with a whole bunch of ideas and do a whole bunch of podcast episodes about them. And they're like, shiny object syndrome. (laughs) So bringing it back to my values and being like, all right, does this align with my values? Does this align with where my business is going this year? No, it does not. (laughs) Oh my goodness. We can take that off the table. (laughs) Yes. That happened to me a couple weeks ago. I saw someone who had a podcast launch course and it was bare bones. And they were like, the only podcast course you need, launch your podcast like a pro. And I was like, I wanted to like shake them and be like, but it's not. And I could do it so much better. And then I was like, you know what? For 10 minutes straight, I'm like planning through how this podcast course is going to go, what I'm going to price it at, what kind of content I'm going to put in it. And I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) This is not your business model, Alicia. Like, at least right now, this is not the plan. So how can you take this energy and put it into something productive that fits within your business model? Okay, we're going to redo our podcast launch workshop to be more comprehensive. Awesome. That feels aligned. That feels better. Mm -hmm. Look, I'm still meeting that need that I see in the industry, but I'm not replicating what somebody else is doing. And you can always take that idea and put it in your idea notebook and revisit it <laughs> later. And then chances are, I mean, this happens to me. Like I look at it a year down the road. I'm like, nope. <laughs> Why did I write that down? I'm not interested. But yeah, I love retargeting the energy. Yes. Moving on from the whole online entrepreneur shiny object syndrome, because we could talk about that for days on end. Like I'm extremely passionate about that stuff and like people doing what they want instead of what everybody else is doing. So we're going to hop off that soapbox for a second back into podcasting. Let's talk systems. Systems are obviously really important. Processes are really important to me and everything being templated and organized and making it easier for the host and the guest to come together and collaborate. So I'd love to know, obviously I've been on your podcast, so I know a bit about your systems and processes, but if you could just tell everyone what that looks like and the benefits of it. Sure. For me, it's come down to, I do literally the same tasks every single time. And so having a list of those tasks and just walking through them step by step is a time saver. And also I'm not like recreating the wheel every single time. To start, when somebody first, let's say somebody finds me via pitching me, which I don't, I would say that's like probably 10% of my podcast episodes, but let's say they approach me pitching me in my inbox. I'll Mm -hmm. say like, sorry, I don't accept pitches in my inbox. You can fill out this form. The form gives me all the information I need, like a lot of information that I can then just plug right into their guest form. So if I if I am taking them as a guest, I have all of that in one spot. 
I send people the questions in advance because I like to have them be prepared. And when I send them those questions, I tell them like, here's the link. Here's what you need as far as like microphone, headphones. You need to be in a quiet place. Although recently I had one lady tell me, she's like, I'm in a loud open room. And I was like, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> but so I, I lay all that out for them. I tell them how the process is going to go and let them know, like, if you have any questions before we meet, let me know. A piece before that is like that they would get a calendar invite and the link. Afterwards, I always thank my guest. I usually write them a LinkedIn recommendation, send them a personal thank you card. And I also send them when their podcast episode airs, I send them the exact copy I want them to use. I say, feel free to put it in your own brand voice, you know, but I send them like the bullet points and like, here's what we talked about. And I put it in their perspective. So it's like me and mm-hmm. em- me and Emily Aborn, host of the She Built This podcast, talked about this and the link to share and the graphics that they need to share. So that's my process. And it it helps my guests like, you know, I just try to think of it from their perspective, like start to finish all the things that they need to feel prepared. Some people over-prepare for things, some people under-prepare for things. So I cater to the people that over-prepare so that I'm like, this way they know, you know? (laughs) Because the last thing I want is to go back and forth with them 10 times before the episode answering their questions. Yes, I love the questions. So when I was on your show, you sent me a list of questions that you wanted to discuss and it allowed me to read the email consider my answers and kind of know the flow while still being like, Oh yeah, I could talk to that. I could talk to that. I could talk to that. Oh, I need to just add a quick note on the side of like a formula or a f- like or my framework for this. Great. And then I felt comfortable knowing that I was prepared without feeling like I had to over-prepare or what are they going to ask me? I don't know. And are there going to be weird pauses of me thinking? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I love that you do that. When people pitch me, they typically have like a general concept that they want to discuss. And so when my executive assistant sends them the note, we say, here's the topic that we want to talk about. So it doesn't break down to as many questions as you do, which I absolutely love that you do. And that's where I think knowing what works best for your process and knowing how best you feel showing up to an interview is so important. And that's something that you're going to learn with time. It's not something that like right off the bat, you're going to be like, and I'm a professional at this. Like It doesn't really work like that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I actually feel very prepared for my conversations with you because you give those, here's the high level points. That's the kind of person I am. So if I was a person that was like, no, I need to know every single question ahead of time, it might be harder for me. And one bonus of you sending the questions to your guests. I tell this to my guests. I'm like, here's a little freebie for you. (laughs) Every question is a piece of content for you for social media. Like every question I'm asking you is probably something your audience is asking you too. So like, go ahead and take that and make as many posts as you want out of it. So that's just another little like perk I like to give my guests is is when we actually get on, I tell them like, you know, you can take all of these questions and like repurpose them into social media. 
I love that you do that. And I think that it's so on brand for you yeah. <laughs> of like, hey, we like content over here. So here's some content for you. Like, it's just, it's perfect. And I think that for those of us who are external processors, like myself, where it's easier for me to talk something out than to write it, it works because then I can easily transcribe what I've said or I can be like, oh, yeah, this, these were the points that I made from this or here are the bullet points that I I pulled as I was preparing for this, we're going to make that into a post. And it works. Yeah. I've been on a lot of podcasts where they don't give you the tools that you need to share it properly. And then you're just kind of like, well, I guess I'll just reshare what they shared. So I think that's a big piece of it too. Like if you want other people to share your episodes, which that's not a goal for everybody, Mm -hmm. but if you want other people to share your episodes, like you can easily just give them the tools that they need to share the episode. Yeah. And you can pull from your show notes for those bullet points and for the copy that you can easily send them. Like it doesn't have to be, you don't have to go too far above and beyond to come up with something. Like it's not that complicated. Agreed. I just turn my questions into bullet points for the episode usually. Yeah. (laughs) Assuming they answered them all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's hope as we're editing that they answered all the questions. (laughs) You also do something that I love and I actually have started to implement, and that is sending a thank you note in the mail. That's something that I have implemented on my side because I loved getting that thank you note, which I never sent you a thank you for thanking, for sending me the thank you note. So thank you. You meant to send you an email. (laughs) But it was something thoughtful and made my day. I mean, I'm someone who loves non-bill mail. Like, I don't want bills in the mail. Don't send me bills. Email me those. (laughs) I just want nice mail and like Amazon packages. That's all I want. (laughs) Same. I agree. And I think it's such a great way to stay connected with your guest beyond just the interview and create a deeper connection with them so that you can collaborate later Or when they share, they're not like, oh, wait, who was that person? Like you still stay top of mind, which I absolutely love. Yeah. And I don't think I did this for yours, but I often will include like a little sticker with my podcast logo on it just so that they remember like this is from the person that interviewed you on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, But I do think it's a nice way to go the extra mile. And then the LinkedIn recommendation, if somebody did show up and give like great value and I know that part of their goal is to be on more podcasts or to be like a speaker. I want to do that because it's not about keeping score, but mm-hmm. knowing like that you're always in that position of like giving to another person, that really does hold you as a podcast host in higher esteem for people. So I like to just yes. go that extra step. I think that's such a great idea. And I think that we can take this and it's not to say you have to send them a note and you have to send them a LinkedIn recommendation. Like you can use one thing that you know is true to your values, true to your personality and do that one thing yeah. to go the extra mile and putting good energy out into the world. And then, you know, if it's reciprocated, awesome. If not, then you're doing great and incredible things. So I absolutely love that. I have gotten so many bad pitches that I've like made it my mission in life to teach people how to send better ones. (laughs) So that's something else I'm really passionate about is like, if you are pitching, even as a fellow podcaster, like if you Mm -hmm. are pitching to be a guest on someone's show, there's a lot of things you can do to 
uh, I think it's called spray and pray is the method where you're just like blasting pitches out there. Don't do that. Take some time to listen to the podcast and get to know the person a little bit and like say something about the dog that they're posting on Instagram. Like just find one little thing that you can connect with them on before, before you make your pitch. And then also just keeping their audience in mind when you're making the pitch is like so crucial. I mean, this honestly is like an entire episode in and of itself, but when people write you a pitch and it's just like so entirely they haven't listened to your episode Mm -hmm. it's so entirely just like here's what i'm doing and i want you to know about it and i want to come talk about it on your show i'm like sorry (laughs) it doesn't sound fun for me (laughs) this conversation doesn't sound fun yes one thing you can do too that I think is a great strategy and is not used enough is that if you're not sure where to pitch, you've looked at their website, you've kind of looked at their show notes to see if there's a place to pitch and you're not seeing anything. Then in the email, don't just pitch them in the email, say, Hey, I would love to be on your show, but I didn't see a place to pitch. Do you have a form I can fill out? Or is there a certain process that you would like me to go by to be a guest on your show? I'd love to discuss something that I think would be really valuable for your audience. I use that when I was pitching my clients to be on podcasts. I don't do that anymore because I can't control it and I don't like that. (laughs) I don't like not being able to control things. And so I actually had someone reach back out and say, wow, I usually don't respond to these but this was incredible. Here's how you can pitch. Thank you so much. And then turn around, that person became a client of mine and has been with us for like over a year. <laughs> so like as you win, were saying, win, win. Yeah, as you were saying it, I was like, okay, that's amazing. I would reply to that and be like, yes, I love you. Here's my form. I don't care what you have to say, you're on. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like it just shows that you understand the process, that you understand that this person is probably getting tens of hundreds of pitches and they've got enough to sift through. And so if there is a process that they have in place, respecting that, respecting their boundaries, it will allow you to stand out. Now, for people who are like, well, I don't know how to pitch, you have something that they can get. So if you could just tell us what that is and where people can go to find that, we'll make sure that we have the link for that in the show notes as well. So it's at the very bottom of my website, which is just emilyaborn.com. And I really like, I'm going to, in the guide, I walk you through like, first of all, like things to think about when you're making your pitch. And I actually like wrote out an entire pitch letter that you could plug and play. Yeah. Just the bottom of my website, emilyaborn.com. Awesome. I love that so much. I think it's such a needed thing, especially for podcasters. And most of us want to be on other people's shows. And so how can we respect them? Write a nice pitch without being, this isn't the right word, but a douche canoe. (laughs) And you know what, if you know somebody like that, that knows one of the people that you're trying to pitch to, it never hurts to ask like, Hey, 
do you think that this person is accepting guests before you do that? I just did it the other day and it ended up being like this awesome pitch rather than me just being like, hey, Julie, um, I hope it's okay that I'm asking. Like, I know we've kind of know each other. So it was, it was perfect. So I just asked the other person like, hey, do you think that she is accepting guests? She literally asked her. This person was like, yes, I want that guest. And it was magic. Oh, yes. I'm doing that for having someone on my show, connecting a friend of mine who knows this person and saying, hey, can you connect us? Rather than me randomly sending them an email and being like, hey, I want you to be on my podcast. I know you don't know me. We are running the same circles. We know these people. It's so much easier to get a connection email. And most of the time, other people are happy to make those connections. They're like, oh, I like you and I like you. You guys need to meet. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, agreed. I think people really love to help. All right, Emily, this has been so incredible. I mean, as usual, right? Like <laughs> this, is, this is our MO. Incredible is our MO. <laughs> yes. So where can people find you, hang out with you, and listen to your podcast? Yep. So I think the best place to find me and, and all of the opportunities to interact is emilyaborn.com. All right, Emily, thank you so much again. And we will talk to you guys soon. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Listeners to Leads. If you found something in this episode valuable, I would really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend who you know would also get value from it. Want to send me a message? My favorite place to hang out is Instagram. You can find me at alicia.lottie. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was from the episode. And don't forget, turning those listeners into leads is actually easy.